he uh, he didn't just beat me. I mean, he beat me down. Uh, he was a, a man amongst boys at the time in high school. And um, I had never been, you know, humiliated like that in a match before. I ended up getting teched um, pretty early into the second period. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a big motivator. I knew I had a long ways to go to, to close that gap. So um, it really dialed in my focus at that point. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Friday, February 17th. The Illinois and the Iowa State tournaments are going down this weekend. I'm sure there's a ton of other state tournaments going on, but good luck to all high school wrestlers competing this weekend. Our guest today is Cole Conrad, one of the best heavyweights to ever strap on the shoes. He was a two-time NCAA champ from Minnesota. He had an epic battle, or battles, I should say, with Steve Mako. They wrestled several times in college. After wrestling, Cole went on to be Brock Lesnar's main training partner, and Cole was the first Bellator heavyweight champion. He retired undefeated at 9-0. This is an awesome conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Sick Wit It 2, a new Apple podcast review, five-star review, absolutely fantastic podcast. Thank you so much, Sick Wit It 2. Greatly appreciate your review as well as everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. This episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. Beat the Street Chicago is our favorite nonprofit. Their goal is to help every Chicago youth say that wrestling changed their life. If you want to support the cause, and I know you do, go to btschicago.org slash donate. btschicago.org slash donate. This episode is also brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Quant takes the money ball approach to college wrestling. They track and timestamp. Hundreds of activities in a college wrestling match, input that data into their cloud analytics platform, and on their app, which you can download in the Apple and Google Play stores, you can see detailed statistics on college wrestlers. You can compare different wrestlers. So go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google Play stores. Quant Wrestling, download the app now. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Cole Conrad. Yeah, Cole, it's so good to have you. Your story involves so many fun characters, Mako, Lesnar, 
and we're going to get into all of them. But one story I found that's pretty interesting is it was either your junior or senior year, you lost in the finals at Fargo, and that was a big turning point for you. Tell us about that moment. Um, you know, actually, so I lost in the finals at Greco uh, to a guy from, from Wisconsin. That was a turning point from the standpoint of I had beat him earlier in the year, so I knew I was at that level. Um, probably the biggest motivator took place at the same tournament at Fargo in the semis of freestyle. I lost to Steve Mako. Um, Let's and, go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's not, go. To, not to get there too fast, but, um, he, uh, he didn't just beat me. I mean, he beat me down. Uh, he was a, a man amongst boys at the time in high school. And, um, I had never been, you know, humiliated like that in a match before I ended up getting teched, um, pretty early into the second period. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a big motivator. I knew I had a long ways to go to, to close that gap. So, um, it really dialed in my focus at that point. So, so had you ever heard of him before that match? No, not a clue. Never didn't. I didn't even know Fargo existed until, um, basically six months before I was at it. No. Um, yeah, I had, I had no idea. I, I think that uh, my parents probably hid that ball from me for a while, just uh, for two reasons. One, too expensive. Two, um, they're not going to waste the time and money if I wasn't going to go there and win. So um, once they thought I was competitive, all of a sudden <laughs> I found out what it was. Prior to that, I thought the Northern Plains Regional was the national tournament. I thought that's all the more that it went. Yeah, like eight states, that's it. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't put it together for the, for the whole country, I mean, which <laughs> I know in hindsight is completely foolish, but I didn't know any different. It's not like we didn't have like the internet or anything at the time, so. There's no way of me verifying anything. So. so how were you doing in the in the state level at that time, like kind of leading up to Fargo? Sure. Um, kind of just gradually got better and better year after year. So um, I had a little success when I was a kid, uh, like won some youth state tournaments, won the Northern Plains a time or two. Um, freshman year of high school, very underdeveloped, but a big kid. So, um, you know, took my beatings the next year, I uh, picked up the pace a little bit, um, probably like a 25 and 10 varsity wrestler, uh, junior year finally started to mature, close the gap, um, state placer and, and was hanging with some pretty good guys at that point. But really, I think it just had as much to do with my body, uh, maturing and catching up, um, to these guys who were 270 pounds. Uh, even though I had been wrestling them the last few years, I was not there physically. We didn't have 215 at the time in, in Wisconsin. That came, I think my senior year, it was only 189. I, I was weighing like two, 210 to 225 between uh, sophomore year there. So, so it went from um, 189 to heavyweight. It did, yeah, at the wow. time. Wow, that's a big yeah. jump. That's a big jump. <laughs> and are you wrestling throughout the summer and like training or you're just doing the three months of the year like what was that like yeah i was i was doing some year-round stuff i I was definitely doing uh freestyle greco club i wrestled um freestyle greco state uh, went over to northern plains but uh that was kind of the extent of it i I was still training year-round a couple days a week uh whether it be at um well different high schools 
Kakana High School in Wisconsin. I'd go there uh, twice a week. Uh, we'd run some stuff at the high school. I graduated from Freedom and then um, had wrestling man in the basement. And I'd work out down there with with my brother and my dad. So. Wow. So you're you're developing and but you're kind of naive to like the the larger picture and like some of the the other things going on because you know Ma, for, you know from everything you read Mako is like was like just one of the most feared guys in the high school ranks and so you step on the mat with them and after that like how did things change for you after that match um i th- i think it, it just really opened my eyes as as far as um how green I was. Like I was starting to have a little bit of success, um, but I had always kind of been, um, I don't know if I'd say underachieving, but not super successful to that point. So in my mind, I had um, a ton of room to grow and then uh, he highlighted it. And that just, you know, it really pushed it forward as far as, you know, a couple times a day working out with a focus of closing that gap and eventually, you know, going to college to wrestle and, um, when an NCAA tournament, I guess, was um, on my radar up until uh, junior year. I mean, I, ha- I hadn't seen college wrestling before either. Um, and my Christmas present that year was going to Iowa City to uh, catch the NCAA tournament uh, with my with my dad and then some family and friends as well. Uh, Garrett Lowney was, was from my high school, and he was a freshman from Minnesota at the time. So we went, sat in Minnesota section, you know, first time seeing college wrestling, 10 All-Americans, great time down in Iowa City. Um, the 01 Nationals? The 2000, yeah, 01 Nationals. That That's was my junior a, year. That was the first that, time I saw it. To be sitting in the Minnesota section for that tournament is special. <laughs> right. And and wow. my first time ever witnessing um, college wrestling. So from there, huge fan, new, you know, I want to wrestle in this tournament someday. And, and that, as much as anything, definitely um, got me focused in. So. And then when you were being recruited by Minnesota, who were the guys you developed a relationship? Was it Jay? Was it Marty? Or Yeah, I mean, during the recruiting process, Marty, um, I probably had the most contact with. I uh, definitely talked with Jay as well. Um, and Marty was an intimidating dude. Um, <laughs> kind of just do what he says. So, um you know, he calls up and um, I was I was all about coming and checking it out, going on a visit. Um, and when I got up there, I mean, obviously, Jay was fantastic. Joe Russell, uh, Schwabi was there um, and then Marty, of course. And so um, just really connected well with those guys. The current wrestlers on the team uh, were very, very close. And uh, it just, it felt like a warm, inviting place, but they were there, you know, to get better at wrestling. They loved wrestling. They like being around it. They like being around people who like being around it. And and it was just the right fit. So that, that coaching staff, I say it all the time, but that's, that's one of my favorite staffs to just the people to interview. And that chemistry must've been crazy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they all worked well off each other. Um, all had different strengths. And, and they all knew it. And, you know, Jay very much was great at getting the right people in the right positions to, to help develop and push you to where you could go. So. And who was your main workout partner when you first got there? Um, main workout partners freshman year. Well, Hartung was on staff still. So he liked to kick the crap out of me, um, which was fun. Him, Marty, and then um, Lowney. I mean, 
was the heavyweight at the time. So I was kind of working out with those three pretty consistently when I first got in and um, definitely, definitely helped toughen you up. Yeah. And you redshirted, then you got into the lineup and that year Mako was out, I believe for an Olympic redshirt. Did you wrestle Rollins in the duel? Um, good question. I don't think we dueled them that year. I think, um, I don't think we had, oh, how to say, I wrestled in the semis of uh, big tens. Um, and he gave me the best beating I had in college. So, um, I think it was 92, maybe 93, but he could have probably turned it on and made it worse if he wanted to be (laughs) honest. (laughs) And but. you wrestled uh, Leon's Crump at the Nationals. The only reason I know that name is from that documentary, uh, The Season, and Mako wrestles him, gets beat by him at the National Duels, I believe. Um, but obviously he had a great career, but that really sticks out to me, and he seemed like a, a really, really tough dude to wrestle. He did. He was big. He was powerful. Um, and, yeah, I lost him in the quarters, and then I lost him for third, um, wrestling back. And... Um, Lost the same way both times. Got extended on a single. Just giving up go behinds. I mean, I wouldn't say gave it up, but I got taken down on a go behind. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just big, powerful dude. And uh, if you didn't didn't keep moving your feet, you got got in some trouble. And when was the first time you wrestled Mako in college? Uh, first time in college was sophomore year. It might have been like the first duel of the season actually um yeah anyways we wrestled the wrestled at the uh, all-star which uh he beat me there and then um we turned around and wrestled uh two more times during the season uh, sophomore year lost him yeah every time but i think every time was an overtime though uh sophomore year and was that someone who, like, when you're practicing throughout the week, are you are you visualizing wrestling specifically him? And was it like a kind of an all-consuming thing at that point for you guys? You know, honestly, um, yes and no. I I think more my going into my junior year is where I had him more on my mind, where uh, he had beaten me sophomore year, um, where I was really fine-tuning things to make adjustments for matches against him. I think sophomore year, I still had quite a bit of ground to, to go just to uh, maybe pass or uh, get to the same level as a handful of other people. So uh, it wasn't necessarily just him in particular at that point. But um, once I had kind of got to the level where it was basically he and I um, squaring off or we knew we were going to hit each other for a national title, then, yes, most of my focus was at him. Yeah, and that final year, sophomore year, came down to the uh, to the foot sweep of course but it's like w- when you look at that and and know, knowing that you've wrestled him so many times what mm-hmm. makes that such an effective skill for him to hit you know uh he's well he was extremely patient with it um never rushed it it was all about maintaining position and he knew eventually it would open up and, and um whether that was in the first 15 seconds or, you know, 30 seconds into an overtime. Yeah. It was never forcing action. It was, you know, continuing to apply pressure, pressure, pressure until it opened up. Um, and that, a lot of that was maturity. I, I, I didn't have that at the time uh, when I was wrestling them. Um, and I would um, 
open up in areas or, or get lazy in areas. And he was able to, to capitalize for sure. And what do you think, like, after that, like, what was some of the biggest changes you made to your game going into that next season? Because the next season, you flipped the script and beat him every time. Right. Um, a lot of it just had to do with positioning off the hand fight, um, understanding his ties, how he was going about, and how he was setting it all up. Um, and and for me, going through practice and just kind of rewrite, rewriting, you know, how I made contact, the angles I was taking on everything and, and just making it second nature where I didn't deviate from that plan, which never let me, you know, open up for that foot sweep again. So um, I think that was the biggest thing. It, it's funny because it was like going back and working on the change had to take place in hand fighting, you know, uh, such a small, minute detail, but that's, that's always, that always is what it is to, to make the change against the higher level guys. But um it's not some flashy move, but it was just a couple, couple little hand positions by inches that made a mile of difference. So, so you said you would break down to even how you were making contact with someone. That's a hundred percent of how I was doing it. I, I broke it down to the initial contact and fighting to the inside tie on one side, but well, there's a few more nuances to it, but it was basically just controlling his ability to get the pull uh, with his right. So, uh, everything we were doing was to minimize that, which allowed me to open up. So that is fascinating to me just to get into the, the nitty gritty of, of how, you know, little improvements like that are made. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's fun stuff. I mean, it's fun now, especially sitting in the, the coach's corner, being able to, to try to break that stuff down. So, yeah. and I've never seen footage of this match, but the first time, uh, in, or excuse me, your first time, your junior season where you beat him, it was at the national duels. What happened in that match? Um, well, technically I beat him at the all-star match. It just didn't count for the record. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. That counts. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, I mean, mentally it counted. I, I mean, for me, it was a big hurdle, but um, I was pretty strong from over-unders. I, if I got to a body lock, I could, I could usually uh, score some points and um I happened to get my right hand at underhook, which for me was the opposite leg. I wrestled everything left leg, but um, yeah, I was able to dig that underhook on him. I think I just caught him off guard um, and I, I kind of dove over the opposite, opposite shoulder pretty good and got him pinched down. So um, it wasn't like a lateral, but it was more of a controlled body lock, just planting him. Um, and yeah, I don't think he was, comfortable or used to getting in that position. And uh, when I got to the underhook, I just went for it because I don't know, that was the first time I'd got there in five matches. So I might as well see what happens. Wow. So. Is that the same move you hit on Spock with in 07? That kind of underhook? Yep. Yep. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a strong position for you just because your chest is so big and, and you're coming down on them. And, and man, it just reminds me how fun the national duels used to be. It, it was, yeah. It, it wasn't as a freshman because I think I, I went like two and three there. <laughs> but fun for the fans. <laughs> yeah. But, and yeah. 07, or uh, so 07, you guys won it. 06, though, I don't know how that, how you guys finished, but I'm guessing you guys were coming on at that time to to win yeah, it in 07. Right. Um, I think we finished second um, to, to Oklahoma State. Um, obviously, they were stacked. Um, we had beat them in, in the duel that year in 06, but they had five national champs in the lineup. So, um, 
we knew it was going to be a tough one at the NCAA tournament. I mean, they had some big guns who could score a lot of bonus points too. So, um, and we didn't catch them, but, um, but yeah, we had, a, we had a solid team up and down the lineup, uh, a lot of good dudes. So, yeah, that's, that's the coolest part about it because, you know, Minnesota broke through in the early two thousands and then, and a recycle, then put together another team to come back up. And, and that's super hard to do. I mean, you don't see many programs doing that across, you know, that kind of time period. And so before we get to 07, 06, you get to the finals. I mean, what memories do you have of, of that one when you finally, uh, finally did get the, uh, <laughs> the, the title? Right. Um, I mean, that was, it was kind of a, a whirlwind there in the actual title match. Uh, for me, I always struggled a bit more in the semis, and and I had a bunch of confidence uh, with Mako at that point, and I knew if he and I meet in the finals, um, completely confident I was gonna I was gonna win that match, and I know it went to overtime and all that, but in my mind, it, it never deviated from how I saw the outcome coming. So, um, I I knew in the middle of well in the middle of the ride out there, I could I could actually feel when he started to kind of concede the match um and that was that was that was a great feeling i knew at that point it was over i won even though there's still 12 seconds left on the clock just focus in and continue to ride but um but yeah i just remember the, the excitement of that and feeling that at that point in the match i could tell his whole demeanor shifted right in the middle of that that go um, and this was like a fourth or fifth overtime at this point yeah it was a long one whatever the, the last one can be, <laughs> but it's crazy. You feel it because I watched it about an hour ago and I don't remember seeing that, but now I have to go back and watch it. But you know, wrestling a guy that you can really, you know, you, mm. you have a feel for what's going on. And, um, cause you don't, still had to do another 30 seconds to win after that. Right. I don't recall. I just remember when I was writing, there was like 12 seconds left and he looks at the, the ref and says, he's locking hands, he's locking hands, which I, I wasn't. Um, and I wasn't even close to locking hands, but that's when I knew, all right, he's looking for a cheap point here because he's not getting away, at least in my mind. Right. Maybe he actually thought I was, maybe he thought I was locking hands, but um, I wasn't, I was on two on one. And um, yeah, in my mind, when he started saying that, that's the first time he's, I think to that point, that's probably the first time I ever even heard him talk. So <laughs> I knew that, uh, Kind of had where I wanted them at that point. So, and so you said the semis actually were were, were a little bit more nerve wracking for you. Um, and I know that I don't know what year it was you had that battle with Kane in the semis. It might have been that year. If not, it was the soft my sophomore year. But I, I think it was that year. Yeah, he and I always had some hairy matches. Man, that guy had a gas tank, and you unless unless you got way way out in front, um, <laughs> it was not over. So, yeah, and he he had that in the you know his USC career too. He was you know they always talked about his gas tank and how long he could go. Yeah, he just kept bringing it, and um, yeah, we had a tight match. I, I think it was that year. Um, that may have went to overtime as well. Um, one year it was seven to two. The other year it was overtime in the semis. So I'm not sure which which was which, but um, but it was going to be a battle. Regardless of what the score ended up with him, you knew you were going to be in a fight when it was all said and done. So, and so when you know you're you're an hour out, you're thirty minutes out from a big match like that. What was your mentality like going into those matches? Usually, I kept Joe Russell around me because um, if I sat and overanalyzed, I, I would actually kind of work myself up a little bit. 
But if I kept him next to me, he would tell dumb jokes the entire time. And then, um, then I was fine. Usually I, I perform better the, you know, the less I thought about it. And then when someone's like, okay, you're up, then I could just go. Um, but if I sat there and just uh, kind of stewed on it by myself for a while, then I get myself probably overly worked up. So um, almost always made sure Joe Russell was within earshot. So. Yeah, I read the uh, the ESPN article when you your senior year you had this crazy win streak going, and you said in there that sometimes that year, like you would stay up to like three, four in the morning just thinking about things like wrestling related. Absolutely, yeah. Um, How long actually, did that last for? Well, I still stay up to like three, four in the morning thinking about things, but <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you could say it's still going. But um, yeah, I, I'm kind of overly analytical sometimes, uh, often. So. Um, uh, I needed someone like him to just constantly lighten the mood for me. Um, and, and he knew how to do it. He knew, he knew I needed it. So he was always around um, for that. He'd even go sit outside of my classes sometimes. Just to, I don't know. Just, I don't know if it was just him saying, Hey, you know, I care um, or what it was, but I'd go strolling into some econ class and there's Joe just sitting at the front door. <laughs> you just smile and wave and then walk away <laughs> yeah i don't know granted he knew if he didn't do that i probably wouldn't go but <laughs> <laughs> so when you're joe russell's fantastic by the way he's been on the podcast love that guy joe if he you're listening you're you're amazing um but if you think back to like like october of your senior year you're staying awake till three in the morning over analyzing what kind of wrestling things were you thinking about was it a person? Was it a, a position? Was it? Uh, usually it's positions for me. Um, not so much a person. It, it was always just kind of breaking down what I do, how I do it, why I do it. And transitioning from one thing to the next to the next. And um, just knowing that I have holes in my game and where they are and how to fix them and thinking about that. And um I know it seems ridiculous to stay up that late thinking about it over and over, but then I'd kind of make a mental note or an actual note of the items I needed to work on the next day and, and go in and, and focus on those things and kind of retune and revise the next day and do it all over again. So, so you would finally kind of write some things down, like as a takeaway from all this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, just making lists of, of different areas that need improvement and whether it's a, a full area or just, you know, one thing within an area that needs some tweaking and um, go in and work with whichever coach uh, was helping me that day or that week or that month. Um, and, and usually they'd guide me in on some areas that needed help too, but then just thinking about the game, basically how to improve it. And do you, uh, and if you don't, it's fine, but do you have any examples of what that might be like, where to place a collar tie or like what was something you would, you would think about like that? Yeah. For me, a lot of it was clearing, clearing the ties to get to my, my openings, my angles. A lot of it was done um, off a left underhook for me and um, to get there. Just uh, the big thing for me was, was elbow control, clearing elbows, whether it was ripping it, you know, to throw my underhook, things like that. It was just the setup basically to get to my setup. Wow. Um, I, I knew that my, my setup was off my underhook um, 99% of the time. And it was just honing the craft of being able to get to that position because that's where I was strong. I mean, obviously, you want to be able to wrestle 
everywhere, but but for me, I knew if I got there, I was probably going to score. Um, so I was figuring out how to get there. What what are the what are the setups to get to my setup, basically? Wow, setup to the setup. That's I love that uh that level of detail. And so after you your senior year, what what an incredible year! Cap off with the win streak intact. Repeat as NCAA champ. Uh, the team wins the title. Well, I mean, in yeah, I think Big Ten Male Athlete of the Year, just so many awards. What were your plans for life after Minnesota in the spring of 07? Uh, man, I mean, I, obviously I had my sights on 2008, um, trying to make the Olympic team. But I was kind of in a weird mental state at that point, to be totally honest. Like, um, had you asked me... November, December, absolutely going to try to make the freestyle team. Um, and, and that was that was where I was at. I mean, I went and wrestled at the Open um, in freestyle that year um, and the trials. And then I, I kind of – I hate to say I needed a break because that sounds soft, but um, I needed uh, I needed to just step back a little bit. And for me, that step back was just transitioning to Greco. Um, and I respect Greco. I love Greco. Actually, my favorite match of all time was Paulson Hall at the Olympic trials. Um, Amazing. Oh, it was fantastic. It was unbelievable. Um, but um, I just wasn't as passionate about it. I, I hate, I kind of hate saying that, but it was, it was the truth. Um, and I continued to wrestle through the trials in 08, but um, I wasn't wasn't as focused in as I had been previously to that point. So um, that was the initial game plan coming out, but, but I needed to make some changes to, uh, to reach that next level. And um, I, I guess I, I didn't make the commitment to making those changes. You know, that's on, that's on me hundred percent. So. so November, December of your senior year, you're, you're all in on freestyle. Oh, wait, you go through that freestyle season, spring of your senior year, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that Mako is the guy in 08, I don't know how he finished in 07, but you know he was only out of college one year, so he only had a right. one-year jump on freestyle. Um, was it that there was a big gap there, or just that you were kind of over the same competitors and, and that same rule set of freestyle? You know, well, that was back in the clinch days, which was awful. Oh, um, right. <laughs> it, was, it was the worst. Um and were the Greco rules kind of funky at that time as well? Yes, yes. Actually, in the – would have been probably the fall or – fall of 07 when I had switched uh, switched over to Greco before the trials. Um, it was the reverse lift. And um, I was wrestling uh, uh, Mijan Lopez, the Cuban. And I had no idea who he was either. Um it, well, no one, no one really did at that point beyond a handful of people, and uh, he was a, a young gun yet. And I draw him maybe first round or or hit him the second round at this tournament in Paris. And one of the guys was messing around. He's like, "Yeah, you know, your best bet is off the whistle. Just stand up." That was that was a terrible, terrible idea. I, I went for it. I got just power bombed. Um, and I'm sure if there was video footage of it, it'd be, it'd be entertaining. I remember he, he tossed me high enough that I swear he was back to his corner before I hit the mat. I mean, I know that's probably not true, but in my mind, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I just went for a ride. Um, <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, sorry to go back to seven. But um, in the hand I, fight, though, like you and Greco, you but I mean, you're you were so so physical. I mean, was that were you competitive there? Yeah, I mean, I had some good matches. I had some good matches in freestyle too. I lost in the the finals of the Open to Tommy Room once. Um, I finished as one of the the national team members that year. Okay. Um, and I had be Tally Thompson, who got the bronze the year before. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I had a handful of wins domestically, a couple of international ones that were um, were some guys who won some some titles, but um, I didn't. Uh, I, I was kind of over it. I just I wanted to go go a different route and uh, went Greco. And and um, in hindsight, was that a poor decision? Yeah, probably. But that's all right. It was fun. And uh, and at the end of 08, did you consider going on for another four, or were you? Were you? Yeah, um, I, w- I was kind of kind of up in the air at the moment. Um, I needed training partners, um, which led to um, Brock Lesnar was getting into fighting at the time. Uh, Marty was going there helping him, and uh, he had reached out, or maybe I reached out to him. I don't, I don't recall exactly, but he needed someone to work out with him. I need people to work out with me. Uh, wrestling partners around here and um yeah the the original thought was um go there get good training in and and continue to wrestle uh wrestle uh moving forward with the sites on on 2012 um i wasn't trained with him to to fight ever that wasn't really on my my mind at the time um but it was super fun environment working out with with those guys i can't imagine i mean that's (laughs) I mean, Brock Lesnar was a superstar in UFC at that time. And I don't know, like, so when you start working at them, where he was at in his ascent, if he was already the champ or if he was still on the climb, but where, where was, where was he in that point? Uh, it was pretty much day one. Uh, we hooked up right out of the gates before his first fight. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we trained together that whole time and it was, uh, it was a blast. I mean, me and Marty would, well, the last couple of years, Marty and I would drive up to Alexandria to Brock's place to train every day. And some days we'd stay up there uh, and fish and then um, do our afternoon practice. And then we'd go fishing all night again and then, you know, work out in the morning, head home. And other days we'd just drive up there the two hours, work out, turn around, drive home. So uh, we, but we did it for a couple of years and it was, it was awesome. So, so was there like a striking coach involved as well or was it just Marty? No, yeah, we had um, striking coaches. We had uh, Greg Nelson, and then uh, Eric Paulson would fly up uh, at least one or two weeks a, a month. And then jiu-jitsu, we had um, Rodrigo Medeiros, who runs actually out of Chicago there. He's got Flow um, Jiu-Jitsu, um, their headquarters right there in Chicago. But he'd come up for a couple weeks a month as well. So we had all the coaches that would come in um and you know brock would have a place up there for them to stay and other training partners to stay and then uh marty and i just being as close as we were here and i was in law school at the time so i'd have to come back to go to class too so law school i didn't know you went to law school uh i went i never finished (laughs) (laughs) so was brock like just running like did he have like a complex on his property or was this at a gym up there it was um well, both. It started out, he rented um, some commercial space, turned it into a gym, um, or industrial space, I should say, turned it into a gym. 
Um, and we trained there for a couple of years. And then um, at the end, he built a training facility like a pole barn in, on his property as well. So, Wow. So when he fought Kane, was that how did that that series go? Did they fight more than once? Nope, just once. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Kane won that one. Kane did win that one. Okay. Yep. In was that not too long after you got into fighting yourself? Yeah, I was fighting at the time for sure. I was in Brock's corner for that fight. Um, not sure exactly what year that was, but um. Yeah, I guess basically, I was, like, when did you stop from like going and being a you know the a workout partner to now you're actually working on your own striking game? Right. So after about a year of training with with Brock, um, he was like, "Well, you can continue to train with us." I mean, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but um, you can continue to train with me, but you're gonna have to take a fight. Um, I was like, "All right, fine. Um, sign me up for one." Let's, Let's figure it out. I mean, I was having a blast training. So, um, and that was really kind of how it just came together. Um, it, he told me, uh, he told me to take one and I have fun with it. So I was like, all right, let's, let's give it a whirl. Let's see what happens. So um, had one fight up in Fargo and then uh, I think I signed with Bellator right after that. So. I mean, the amount of rounds you've spent grappling, striking with Brock Lesnar, which to most people is the scariest person they can imagine. Like, like, could you even put a guess on it? How many rounds do you guys win over the years? Oh, gosh. I mean, say five rounds a day for four years or so. <laughs> <laughs> like five days a week. So, Oh, yeah, my Lord. <laughs> and it showed because you get to Bellator and you become Bellator's first ever heavyweight champion. And there was a really cool article written not too long ago actually by this uh mma journalist mm -hmm. and he's like mystified that you retired after after two more fights and i'm sure you know who i'm talking about i can't think of his yeah. name right now um yeah. but yeah so like talk us through that so you you become the bellator champ and you fight two more times and retire what 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 went on there to uh to lead to that um I guess I never set out to be a fighter. I mean, I, I literally just took a fight because Brock and Marty were like, yeah, you need to take one. So um, I did. And it was fine. And, and I mean, what I enjoyed most of the whole thing was training. Like I liked practicing. I liked, you know, working out, hanging out with Marty, Brock, a handful of the other guys that we had coming in there. Um, it was very much like a, a team mentality and it was fun. Like we, we had a great time. The fight, eh, fight's a fight. I mean, you win, you lose, whatever you feel like shit or sorry, you feel bad. Um, you can swear. It's okay. Yeah, no, but who knows who listens to it. So I don't want to, but were you someone who, after you were, the mat was taken away, did you miss the outlet for your competitiveness that you had previously poured into it? Or... So yeah, that competitive, uh, spirit was definitely still there and that's why I like the fights for sure um, and the training honestly like yeah, everything gets chippy right even in a wrestling room so um, <laughs> I, yeah so I mean it, I enjoyed that aspect of it Brock was kind of he was done then he was retiring um, and, and Marty would have stayed on for sure but it wasn't going to be a full time gig for him um, just training me and um that was the aspect I liked the most. I mean, the fights were the fights, but, um, it, and honestly, it, my heart wasn't, wasn't really in it. I mean, my last fight, I 
sounds terrible, but I didn't even like, I trained a little bit and then the fight kept getting pushed back, pushed back, um, for different reasons. And, um, my wife and I had our first anniversary. We were taking a trip over to Ireland and, um, I had it scheduled for right after the fight, which would have been about our first anniversary. And, um, whatever the fight got pushed back like six weeks and, and rather than bumping the trip, I'm like, yeah, let's just go. I'll just make weight and fight this guy when I get back. So we went over there and we just went on vacation for two weeks and came back. I had like three days to make weight and basically <laughs> worked out, happened in the sauna, stepped on the scale. And I mean, I deserved to lose that fight, but I ended up winning it. But uh, that's, that was really when I took a step back and kind of reflected and I was like, you never cut corners before you never, you, ne- you know, you never taken the easy way. Um, don't like do a disservice to the sport or to yourself by doing it now. And, and uh, if I was going to do it, I needed to be all in and, and I wasn't. So I uh, decided, yeah, it was time to, time to move on. Um, like I said, married at the time, looking to, to have kids and, and just needed to embark on a career. So. So in a lot of ways, kind of the gang, was splitting up and that was part of it that you love the most is just the camaraderie of hanging out with, with, um, yeah. and working towards a goal with everybody. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I would never taken a fight if it wasn't for that, that group of people. So, and I say this all the time, but there's something about the Minnesota guys that the level of closeness they have and like how, you know, just interconnected everyone is, is, is really special. And I love having guys from, from university of Minnesota on just uh just cause they all say that same thing. And it sounds like you noticed it even on your recruiting trip there in high school. For sure. And, and it's still there. I mean, to this day, I, I work with right now in, in my professional career, I work with um, Scott Schiller, a few time all American, Tyler Safratovich, all American, Tommy Thorne, uh, Carson Brawlsma, Manny Rivera, Seth Lang. Well, there's probably, there's probably more. <laughs> just all within, you know, 10 feet of me in the office. So, so how did you get into trading? Minnesota wrestling. I mean, it seems like, uh, there's a big network and pipeline. Um, a couple former wrestlers actually, uh, Larry Zilberberg was a, a three-time All-American at Minnesota in the seventies. Uh, he started a trading company almost 40 years ago. Uh, he was in alum obviously, and a number of people, um, kind of gravitated that way. Um, and I actually, I, I went there initially, I'm no longer at that place, but, uh, there's a number of wrestlers there too. So, so he and John Bowlesby, who was NCAA runner up at Iowa, um, run the business together. And, uh, so there's a bunch of, bunch of tight wrestlers there. And then, um, another trading outfit in town here had, had a number of wrestlers. I ended up hopping over there, but, um, that was kind of, that was kind of how it was directly correlated to wrestling. So. So it's like that model. I'm in tech sales. They do the same thing. Like if you have a certain background and a certain mentality, we can train you on it and, and bring you in. And, and so that kind of thing. Certainly. Yep. Um, we have a ton of athletes, uh, in our office. I mean, obviously I named a number of wrestlers, but, uh, a lot of, uh, former hockey players, a lot of former professional hockey players, uh, work with us. Um, some all American cross country and uh, just all, all sorts of sports, baseball, football. Um, but uh, the mentality kind of, kind of seems the same amongst uh, high level athletes, regar- regardless of the sport. So um, seems to fit well for that. It's competitive. So. Yeah, no, it certainly is. 
Now you're, you have a, a family now you have kids, you're doing some coaching. Give us your thoughts on the, uh, kind of on the state of, uh, of, of youth wrestling and, and high school wrestling. How are things going out there in the field? You got boots on the ground. Like, what do you, what are you seeing that could be changed? Well, I mean, I see everything uh, that everyone buzzes about online with, uh, rule changes or, or um, riding ankles and things like that. I, I, I'm kind of indifferent because I wrote a lot of ankles, so I'm not going to say too much, but, <laughs> um, but uh, regarding youth, I mean, the level that kids are wrestling right now is, is fantastic. And I mean, it's, it's obviously uh, indicative of the success that we're having on the, on the, on the world stage right now across the board, but um, these private clubs across the country and just uh, the access that these these kids have to high level technique and training at, at a younger age is pretty, pretty fantastic. So um, I know there's a few different schools of thought uh, regarding kids and going, you know, tournament after tournament. Um, I'm more towards the practice, learn the techniques, have fun with it, go to a handful of tournaments until they're really asking to go so um i don't i don't take my actually my son's never wrestled in that tournament yet he's only five but um he may do one here in a few weeks but that would be uh that'd be it for this season and then you know we'll just go to a, a couple following that but um definitely have some kids in our club who who get the 100 and 120 matches a year in as well um and have some success but um but I guess at what, at what cost, you know, and I don't have the answer to that. Obviously it's more of a, there's two different sides. Some people uh, love to compete and compete, compete. And uh, I just want my son to, you know, love wrestling, get in the room, learn how to wrestle by wrestling. But um, I just, uh, I worry about learning bad habits. So I don't really push the tournaments on him. Uh, high school level. I mean, I'd say the same deal. I mean, uh, the high school kids are, phenomenal these days you don't see as much of the uh uh well we'll talk both ways here but you don't see as much growth when they get to college a lot of guys are ready to, to hit the scene as soon as they walk in the door and i felt that was kind of an anomaly back in the day but uh it's like every year you're talking about a handful of kids that are you know title contenders coming out of the gates and um and a lot of that is just this that same thing we we're just talking about the access to that training and, and technique and they're getting there and it's really just doing the fine tuning that I was maybe doing two, three years into college. And you talk about guys that come in ready to go. One that comes to mind for me is the great Gable Steveson. you know, heavyweight to heavyweight. How do you evaluate him and what he did in such a short time? Right. I mean, he's well-rounded, obviously. I mean, his ability to, to score points is, is off the charts. So um, he's kind of in his own category as far as how explosive, powerful. Uh, I mean, his technique is obviously there. It's on point. Um, but he is able to go hard um, and, and and make people pay. So um, he's uh, he's kind of his own animal. He, he can't really put him in a category uh, other than one all by himself, to be totally honest. So that uh, speed that, is crazy. It's unbelievable. I mean, how, how just athletic that guy is. Um, and he busts his butt. I mean, it didn't just happen, right? Um, he's put the work in, in all aspects to be big, fast, strong, and, and very technical. So yeah, that loss he took awesome. at uh, Minnesota as a freshman at the big tens. 
in the home crowd. Like, you know, that's one like when a dot when the documentary is finally made, that's got to be a moment that was kind of a, you know, a big turning point. And obviously two weeks later, it certainly was as well. But um, yeah, it's just like you think about that and him battling back and and taking out Gwiz. And uh, man, what a what a what a story. And like that match itself was this one where to the very last second, you're screaming at the top of your lungs because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. But I mean, same thing with him. Just like look at his maturity in, in such a short window from his freshman season to just like a calendar calendar year later and, and like how far he came it was like a lot of that was mental growth right right the physical attributes were were there already in place but he just continued to to hone and develop his craft and and keep his composure and and be able to pour it on all the way all the way through the end so it's yeah impressive and there's some great heavyweights now both coming out of iran i'd love to see him go with those guys but i've uh, i've resigned myself that that's not happening anymore so uh <laughs> We'll let it go, but we're still in an era of good heavyweights, man. If you think about right now in college wrestling. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, pretty phenomenal athletes. Uh, obviously I like Greg, uh, with Penn state, but, uh, he's a local kid here. He's from Ember Grove where I live. So, uh, hoping the best for him, um, through this season and, and, um, uh, but obviously Mason's a, a stud too. And Cassiope and it's like, it's deep. Man. They're all good. There's no yeah. doubt about it. So. It's a lot of fun, man. And this is going to be a historical nationals with, with Spencer and Yanni going for going for a title. So it's like you think back to when you went to Iowa City in 01, some yep. kid this year is going, and they're never going to forget when Yanni won four or Spencer won four. So it just gets me excited that we're getting so close to nationals time. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's a fantastic tournament. And um, not going this year. I wish I was, but um, I usually try to go. But I'll definitely make sure it's an annual uh, as as my son gets a little bit older. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely gonna be a kid or two sitting in that stands where it'll be, it'll change them. You know, it'll change their life and how how they go about and what they do. Um, and it's it's awesome. It's a unique experience for sure. Yeah, mine was when my mom took me to the Olympic trials in 04 at the RCA Dome, and it was man, it was something. And uh, yeah, so it's cool, man. We're we're in the the best part of the season, and um, you know we're coming down to the end, so it'll be fun to watch it. And it's been a real honor to have you on here, Cole. So thank you so much for making time for us, man. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changing My Life with Cole Conrad. If you want to support this podcast, please support our sponsors, Beat the Street Chicago. Donate now at btschicago.org slash donate. Download the Quant Wrestling app, Q-U-A-N-T, Quant Wrestling. You can download it on the Apple or Google Play stores, Quant Wrestling. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We have video clips from these interviews as well as the full video file from each interview on our YouTube page. Just search Wrestling Change My Life. And that's it, folks. We'll see you next week with new episodes of Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!